Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. My friends, we come to Mass this morning because we want something. We want something that transcends the limitations of this world. Today we celebrate the greatest event known in world history, an event that has altered the course of the world, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is an event that now eases the greatest anxiety our world has ever had. It quells the deepest fears that people throughout the centuries have had, the fear of death and all of its finality. Today we celebrate Jesus' victory over death, and better yet, we also celebrate his promise that as we participate in the life of Christ, so we will also now participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what's so interesting to note is that when Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended back into heaven, he commissioned his apostles to go out and evangelize the world. And they did just that. The apostles, in the initial first years of evangelizing the world, they proclaimed just one thing and one thing alone. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. Did they talk about Jesus' miracles that he performed? Yes, but that came later on. Did they talk about Jesus' teaching and his way of life? Yes, but that came later on. The initial years of the apostles beginning to evangelize the world, they spoke about just one thing alone, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this event was so earth-shaking. Think of it. If you are an apostle of Jesus Christ and you saw Jesus die on the cross and now three days later he's appearing to you and speaking to you, that is a life-altering event for you. Your life will never be the same again. It truly was the good news, the gospel that they had to proclaim. Now, When we turn to the gospel for the masses this morning, we have John's account of Jesus' resurrection. Notice how it begins. On the first day of the week, stop right there, the first day of the week. It doesn't say three days after Jesus' death, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb. No, it says on the first day of the week. And therefore, it suggests immediately This is the beginning of something altogether new, something that has never been done before, something that no one has ever witnessed. It continues, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark. Now, why does John slip that little detail about the darkness into the gospel? Why didn't he just write, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning? 
Instead, he wants to emphasize that it was still dark. The dawn had not come yet. My friends, if you look in all four of the Gospels, darkness is synonymous with a lack of faith. That's why Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life always in their life, and the light of truth will be with them. Mary sees the empty tomb, yet her first thought is not the resurrection, but instead she thinks someone has broken into the tomb and stolen the body. On the contrary, instead someone has broken out of the tomb. Jesus has broken out of the tomb, and in doing so, he has broken the yoke of sin and death that has enslaved us from the beginning of time. Next, Mary goes and tells Peter and John of the news. Both race to get to the tomb to see for themselves. They peer in, and it says from the gospel, they saw the burial clothes there and the cloth that had covered Jesus' head, not with the burial clothes, but rolled up in a separate place. They see these burial clothes, if Jesus truly was taken by robbers, they would have taken his entire body along with the wrappings. Or if they were in a rush and some of the burial clothes fell off, they would just be scattered about in the tomb. But that was not the case. The wrappings were carefully rolled up. What's the implication? The tomb is empty, yes. And now the trappings of death are also empty. Remember the story in which Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus comes out from the tomb wearing the clothing of death. All the burial clothing is still hanging on to Lazarus. Why? Because he would have to die once again. When Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, it was a resuscitation. It wasn't a resurrection. Lazarus would have to die again. Yet Jesus truly rose from the dead and now has no need of these trappings. These burial clothes and the tomb, those are all things that are appropriate for the dead. Yet Jesus is no longer dead. He's risen. He is alive. And therefore, doesn't need these things. In fact, leaves them all behind. A person that is truly, fully alive is in no need of burial clothes or a tomb. Notice how the gospel ends. It says, Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first. He saw and believed, for they did not understand the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. My friends, if you look at all four Gospels, you see this momentum or this movement of faith within the apostles. At the very beginning of the Gospels, the apostles' faith is wishy-washy, it's tenuous at best. But progressing through the gospel, as the apostles progress and move into their relationship with Jesus Christ, now you see that movement of faith. As the apostles grow stronger and stronger in their relationship with Christ, so does their faith. Until the very end of the gospel, when Jesus commissions them all, to now go out and evangelize the world. Now at the end of the gospel, their faith is firm, strong, and intact, and now they're ready for the mission. 
My friends, the same thing holds true with us. This is a great lesson for us in faith, that faith does not come quickly. It doesn't come as quick as turning on a light switch. Instead, it's slow, it's subtle, and it takes work and effort. Why? As I've mentioned before, faith, when you boil it down to its very essence, is all about relationship with Christ. Anyone who's ever been in a relationship knows that it takes work. It takes work for that relationship to grow. First, you may start out as an acquaintance with another party. Well, then that transcends to friendship. And if they truly fall in love together, it may transcend into marriage. Yet all the while, both parties are working on that relationship. Well, the same thing holds true with us. We must constantly be working on our relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes time. It takes an effort to cultivate and nurture our faith. And yet, we can do it. Think of it. When we first started out in life as little boys and girls, we didn't know much about our faith either, just like the apostles did in the gospel. Yet, we had to rely upon our parents as well as the church, teachers, to teach us about Jesus Christ. Now, as we got older and older, we saw a movement of faith in our own lives. The older we got, the more our faith increased, to the extent that after confirmation, when the Holy Spirit was sealed upon us, then yes, like the apostles at the end of the gospel, our faith was firm, intact, and now we are prepared to go out into the world like the apostles and live out our faith. I'll leave you with just one last thought. In the first reading, we have Peter speaking in the Acts of the Apostles, boldly proclaiming that Jesus had died and now has risen from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, Peter tells us exactly what happened. Listen now. This man, God, raised on the third day, granted that he be visible. Not to all the people, but to us, the witnesses chosen by God in advance, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commissioned us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed one by God as judge of the living and of the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to a select few, to the apostles and a few others. And so it begs the question, why didn't Jesus just appear to the entire world and then all the work of evangelization would have been completed and done immediately? Well, I think we can turn to Cardinal John Henry Newman. He once said that Jesus appeared to just a select few for the sake of the mission. For the sake of the mission. The resurrected Christ appeared primarily to his apostles to that small little group because it was that little band that he shared three years of his life with. He taught them, he traveled with them, he ate and drank with them. This small little band, in essence, was the foundation of our church. And now, as Jesus appears to them after his resurrection, he gives them the Great Commission to proclaim that he has risen from the dead. And see, that's now the task of our church in our day and age.
as I've said before, our church is missionary by nature. Our church must continually go out and engage the world in order to proclaim exactly what the apostles did. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that's what Peter is reminding us. That is now our apostolic ministry. What the apostles started nearly 2,000 years ago, now we must continue. And we can. We, like the apostles, have eaten and drank with Jesus. We do it in the Eucharist when we eat and drink his body and blood. Like the apostles, we too have been taught by Christ when we listen to the scripture readings at Mass. Just as the apostles were equipped and ready for their mission into the world, so too now are we. Therefore, like the apostles, we must go out into the world and boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. How do we do that? By our conduct, how we behave, how we treat others, how we live the good and virtuous life. Those are all ways in which actions speak louder than words, and we boldly make that proclamation about the risen Christ. My friends, we come to church this morning because we want something. We want something that transcends the limitations of this world, and that's what Jesus does for us today in our celebration. In Jesus' death and resurrection, he now promises us that we will follow him. And we will. Why? Because we participate in the life of Christ. At the moment of our baptism, we began to participate in the life of Christ. And God promises us, if we participate in the life of Christ, then we will also participate in his death and resurrection. And my friends, that truly is the good news for today and every day of our life. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.